0: Bingeing on movies with Rebecca and Jason.
1: Are you gonna love 'em or hater here,
2: here comes, comes the binge. binge! Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases from our own queer-ass perspectives. I am Jason Leroy,
0: and I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today is a very special episode here on the Binge. Uh, we're doing a mid-year review. We're going to count down um, our 10 favorite movies that have come out so far this year. Uh, and we're going to play some clips from our original reviews um, and sort of chat about them.
2: Yeah, and you might be saying to yourself, mid-year reviews are for June, you dummies. And <laughs> and yes, yes, they are, um, except for when they're not. And right. And that's this one. The important thing is that we're getting this out there before... The fall movie season because we all know ain't no such thing as a good movie that comes out in august so uh (laughs) so we're all set to weigh in on the best the year has offered thus far as voted on by rebecca and myself
0: yeah, so hopefully if you had missed some of the movies uh, that we reviewed so far this year and are kind of looking to see what's available to rent now um, since you'll be, probably it'll be too hot to leave your house. Mm. Uh, if you're in the rest of the country, it'll yeah. be too cold to leave your house if you're here in San Francisco.
2: <laughs> yes, it's one or the other, guys.
0: And you need a movie to to, to curl up with while the air conditioning blasts you. Uh, most of these are available uh, now for rent mm-hmm. um, or purchase. Um, yeah, and that'll get you through August and then... Fall movie season will start up and you'll go back out to the theaters.
2: And then I'll have my whole new round of When I Was at Toronto stories. Goddamn. That's right around the corner. Can't wait. It's coming.
0: That'll last another six months. Brace
2: yourselves.
0: (laughs) Um, So it's been half a year. We've been doing this podcast for a little bit longer than that. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder when our anniversary is.
2: I know. Should we we do... easily look it up. Should we... (laughs) Yes. uh, It's not like it's right in front of us or anything, but... Uh, you know, I wonder if we should celebrate our one-year anniversary, or we we'll just wait for like our hundredth
0: episode. Wow, that'll be a we, while. That'll yeah. be like two years.
2: I guess that's true. So maybe it will be an anniversary. Anniversary. Yeah,
0: we'll do something special. We'll do a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> I give you away. Hug. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody looking for a podcast
2: co-host? Right. Everybody looking for a roughly two hundred and forty-pound homosexual male. <laughs> he has all his.
0: His shots oh,
2: exactly. He's I've got got all my teeth, ten fingers, 10, 10 turn fingers and turn ters. I'm ready to go. <laughs> all yours if you want me.
0: Um, so look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Probably coming up in my guess is like October.
2: Yes, we'll, we'll we'll raffle off dates with each of us.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fly to your hometown and take you to the movies
2: yeah oh wouldn't that be fun that would be fun oh well I'd you be guys terrified. <laughs> yes rebecca will not make eye contact with you on on the date that you get with her so just be ready <laughs> for that
0: um shall we uh
2: well let's talk about our year so far
0: oh okay yeah we can do that
2: yeah um <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's fine how's so, it been
2: just uh you know uh i you know i feel like if the question is what's the highlight of my year been so far
0: it's been such a great year
2: it's been yeah 2016 guys we're all in agreement it's been one for the record books really um the record books that are currently burning in the pit of hell uh (laughs) for the worst years that have ever happened in all of time Mm. um and the year started off i started off feeling so like spiritual and centered this year but of course after a week that just totally fell to shit
0: you were all new year new you
2: I really was. I was like, you know what? Maybe it'll be different this year. You know, I rang in the new year seeing Patty Smith at the Fillmore. And wow. that's a way to feel optimistic, you mm-hmm. know, like she gets you there. And I was like, people do have the power, except when they don't. <laughs> and, you know, and then everything's gone, you know, terribly wrong since then. Um, but, you know, we've been here slugging it out week after week. And I feel like if I had to pinpoint like my best moment of the year so far it would probably be the moment when Scott and I were in Paris and I realized that just a few blocks down the street or the rue, if you will.
0: Oh God, I'm going to rue the day you went to Paris. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I realized that there was an all Madonna vinyl store. Oh, yes. That, that was maybe like, I went, I was researching like record stores in Paris and I found some lists from Pitchfork where they were like, Oh, well you got to see this. It's called, a." Uh, lucky star records and i was like what where is that oh my god it's right next to where we're staying wow yeah i mean like what you don't get better than that no that was you don't that was that was that was gravy that was all gravy that one and i I spent very irresponsibly while i was there shocked rebecca what would you say your highlight of 2016 is so far
0: uh highlight of 2016 would probably be shocker uh the Cavs winning the nba finals (laughs) I mean, it's really a once-in-a-lifetime situation, and uh, yeah. it happened during my lifetime, so I'm pretty happy about that.
2: And now Cleveland has plummeted right back down uh, from hosting the RNC, so...
0: I mean, I feel like they handled the RNC well.
2: Well, but they were once again, like, people weren't not making Cleveland jokes the entire week. Sure. So there's that.
0: There was that. Um, it did
2: not... The Cavs' wind did not turn around the national derision of Cleveland <laughs>
0: I, well I I would argue I feel like would you most argue the, yeah most of the the articles I read about the RNC were like all these reporters coming to Cleveland and being acting like they were going to like a third world country like <laughs> I don't know how to act in this place what are people gonna be like and mm-hmm. then and then most of the articles were talking about how people were really friendly mm-hmm. um, and the town was really nice um I mean I do think that there is definitely a place for protest in the world um, mm-hmm. and and maybe having something come of light would have been um important but i'm happy that everyone is safe um and that cleveland came up looking you know pretty well i feel like people people left the convention saying like this place isn't bad
2: yes i I think this it's 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 when you have expectations that low uh wow it's it's hard not to it's no pittsburgh that's for sure (laughs) no it really isn't
0: um so that was the highlight of my year um (laughs) thanks
2: Jason. Oh, thank you. I'm glad we asked. I'm glad we checked in with each other about that.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, I feel much better. <laughs> Shall we get to the movies? Let's do it. Ringing in number 10 on the list is Deadpool. Um, so when we saw Deadpool, you had just seen it. I had not seen it. Mm. Um, and you talked a bit about um, your opinion of what Ryan Reynolds was like in this movie. Should we, uh, should we play the clip?
2: Let's do it. In the very beginning, there's a, the movie is very aware of Ryan Reynolds' like pinup, you know, basically status. And, uh, and, and he does a lot of and he has, you know, partial nude scenes. Even when he's wearing the suit, it's like could not be more revealing and skin tight. And he is okay with that. Like he is okay being like a himbo. Like he knows that's part of his appeal and part of his brand. Mm-hmm. And the movie knows it. And so, you know, it's it's okay acknowledging it. And the gay baiting gets a lot more specific than just him showing his perfect ass. Um <laughs> when you first see him walking around in the movie as as the man he is before he's Deadpool, he is wearing a Dorothy Spornak tank top. What? Yes.
0: So this is your favorite movie of the year.
2: I like I couldn't eat like it was I, I, I had to like <laughs> I needed a minute.
0: You still can't.
2: I, I still can't. I can't and I won't. And then you later it at first. I, was I like, did. Yeah. Well, Scott like, playing I was, like, out I was like, look at the shirt. Look at the shirt. I was just staring at his face. <laughs> and like then I had to like look down and it's was like, oh, my God.
0: Like a rookie.
2: And then so wait, later. Just he's, quickly,
0: Scott, did he make that noise that he makes in the movies? Oh, No.
2: No? no, I out of respect of my husband. I don't make that noise around him.
0: <laughs> Good to know.
2: Yes, I only Good make time. that around you because I know it bothers you. <laughs> uh, it the, the noise is something like, Ugh, something like that. So I did not make that noise. Um, and now you have it on on audio, mm, so you can make great. it your ringtone for me whenever I text you. <laughs> <sighs> so not only does he wear a B. Arthur tank top, he also later uh, is wearing a Rent T-shirt. While oh, wow. praising, while seeing the praises of Bernadette Peters,
0: <laughs> do you remember all that from the movie? <laughs> I mean, how could I
2: forget? Uh, and you hadn't seen the movie yet at the time, like you said. So
0: yeah, I hadn't. Um, and it also, I think that week we reviewed it against Zoolander Two, so it was definitely oh, yeah. easily the pick of the week. Mm, mm-hmm. um, no but competition. Had I had a say, uh, I definitely would have agreed. It would, it would be the pick of the week.
2: Yeah, it was good, right?
0: Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, it's irreverent uh, in a way that's not overly offensive um but yeah Ryan Reynolds is amazing mm-hmm. uh the way they do the story they sort of like uh, move in time is, is really interesting um and the action's great
2: did you enjoy the way that he allowed himself to be objectified
0: um I mean not as much as you did I'm sure, sure.
2: yeah well not not you're down there's
0: <laughs> no no
2: <laughs> no as I <a> there's plural
0: I'm <laughs> very uh very open of you. <laughs> yeah,
2: how familiar of you to <laughs> of say that. Well, we can, we can, yeah, let's just celebrate Deadpool for what it was by talking inappropriately. I think yeah. it honors the spirit of the film. It uh, makes me
0: as uncomfortable now as it did then. Ha!
2: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Deadpool is there at number 10. You know, I don't know that... You'll be curious to see the end of the year where we have all of these movies placed, but right. you know, Deadpool certainly would not be an obvious pick um, mm-hmm. as like a major studio, you know, um, Marvel movie or DC. Is it D- no, it's Marvel. I think uh, honestly, I honestly never remember. I'm like, it's good, so I'm going to guess it's Marvel.
0: <laughs> we definitely went into the review talk- talking about how neither of us know much about comic book movies mm-hmm. in the world, but this appealed to both of us. Yeah. So it's definitely there if you're not like a diehard comic fan. Yeah. And it's definitely available to rent right now.
2: Yes. And I have seen it again since this review and I enjoyed it every bit as much.
0: Excellent. Um, So that brings us to number nine, which is You're Killing Me. Um, Should we play the tracks from that one?
2: Yeah. Here's some highlights from that review.
0: And I have to say this is one of the few movies ever where I felt like the movie was better than the trailer. Hmm. The trailer to me felt like it was a little like... I was expecting something a little lower quality. Oh yeah. Um, but the execution again. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> um but the, the when the movie when I saw the movie in it in, in whole it was much better.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think this is this is definitely, and of course you have to have that usual gay disclaimer mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, this is a gay movie. Is it terrible? Because right. gay movies are terrible.
0: Yeah, it's like it's not a Hollywood film. It's on right. video. Yeah,
2: exactly. You know, so it's it's you know, like is this the kind of movie that's going to premiere at Frame Line and get like some pity claps <laughs> from the lesbians in <laughs> the balcony? No, no, it's not. This is a genuinely fucking hilarious movie. And it's so specific, like it's it's it's. They know Jeffrey and Jim know exactly like the milieu that they're writing about. Yep, uh, it's of very these like clear. awful, awful, self-absorbed, bitchy game night throwing gays, mm-hmm. obsessed um, with media. Yeah, obsessed with pop culture, obsessed with media. Uh, just cannot recognize sincerity once in front of them, yeah. stabbing them in the chest. <laughs> uh, don't really, don't listen to anything anyone says mm-hmm. or just constantly focusing on, you know, on making fun of their own lives and making their lives look ironic and making their lives look, you know, commenting, you know, and, and you know, these these characters like Jeffrey Self, uh, you know, have they're making, you know, lots of web series. Oh, yeah, YouTube and, videos. Yeah, lots and... of YouTube. Yeah, because Jeffrey has always had tons of those. And he also has a podcast called This Is Really Important with Jeffrey Sell. <laughs> and uh so this is hmm. they're 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 sort of sending up their own their own like m- you know subculture mm-hmm. in this movie. And that's why it feels so like targeted. Right. Uh and you're like, yes, I know these people. Um
0: sometimes w- they're so close to you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: I mean, oh I think this movie is like it's basically difficult people as a horror as a horror movie
0: <laughs> The role of Mary Tyler Moore is played by Mindy Cohn <laughs>
2: No difficult people not, uh, ordinary, not ordinary people,
0: people. <laughs> 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 well, There's a death there's some uh, <laughs> selfishness and
2: <laughs> I mean I'm sure that Billy and put Julie Just
0: <laughs> in the cave and let's just get over this whole thing
2: Billy and Julie would be happy to have Mary Tyler more on difficult people. I'm sure. <laughs> it's really not often that you see a comedy that hits it tar- its target so completely on the head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as this movie. This is the movie that like contemporary gay culture deserves. Yeah, uh, there is just this hilarious conflict in it where you're like not sure who's worse, like <laughs> the self-absorbed game night playing friends. Or this serial killer who is, like, moving through their ranks, dispatching them one by one without anyone really noticing.
1: Right, right.
2: Uh, And, you know, watching his look of horror uh, as they are just, like, ripping into each other with, like, vicious put-downs about, like, their lack of pop culture knowledge Mm -hmm. or about, you know, what happened on Real Housewives this week. uh, is just a hilarious juxtaposition of uh, of two different kinds of awful people. Right. And it kind of leaves it to you, the viewer, (laughs) to decide if one is necessarily worse because in the movie in the end it feels like it's kind of a draw
0: it really comes to a head at the end when their one character is trying to play her song while they're trying to (laughs) notify the authorities yeah and like and like what what takes precedent really (laughs) really hits that point home
2: yeah yeah it's just a perfect dark comedy and uh and and i just couldn't have been more delighted with it uh and i certainly hope that it has crossover appeal so that not just you know like you know, bitchy 30-ish gay men who live in major cities can can enjoy the, the <laughs> skewering, the literal and, literal and figurative skewering. Their female
0: friends will enjoy it as well.
2: Yes. You're like, you're like, the women who hate them also will enjoy it. <laughs> uh, so, and yeah, the, mi- the the mixture of comedy and horror is great. Uh, the performances are all really, really funny. And as you said, like the humor is just nonstop and it never, it never misses. Uh, so, the yeah. The acting is great. The acting is really good. And Mindy cones in it. So, I mean, what more can you <laughs> ask for? What else
0: you want? Well, we, we said it all there. Yeah, there really we did. much more to say about we that. We did,
2: you know, loved it then, love it now. Uh, and uh, I did do the interview with the star and co-writer Jeffrey Self, and then director co-writer Jim Hansen, that is still available to be read up on our website, TheBinge.us. You're Killing Me was on iTunes at the time, and it's still on iTunes for your enjoyment.
0: Number eight, Jason, is 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm. Um, this was also a pick of the week. Um, And I remember we talked about this when I started off being a little. I had one bone to pick with it. Oh. And uh, that's going to come right off at the beginning here. Let's, uh, let's take a listen. Let's start with your bone. You see in the trailer that John Goodman's in the movie. And I think I mentioned <laughs> and that's, that's too much. That's too much. I w- if I didn't know he was in the movie when he makes his appearance, it would have been mind-blowing. Now, and, and why is he, did you, does he have a
2: status in your mind where he would be like the ultimate surprise to see in this kind of movie? Yes,
0: because I'm expecting this like horror, sci-fi movie. Right, and... you're expecting
2: like Freddie Krueger to walk in yeah. instead. It's Dan Conner. Or
0: like um, Wal- Wal- Walter Goggins? Oh, Walton. Walton. Damn it. <laughs> Every time. Every time. <laughs> it's not your fault. I was like fault. going through fault. my mind. Walton. What else? Like, am my Waller? What is it? It's not your fault. Walton Walton's Goggins. Not, it's not a name. He'd be one, I would expect. Sure. Or like, um, oh, who was the guy that played that uh, cult leader? He has that face. That looks like a goat. A <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, Black Philip. <laughs> That's it. Black Philip. That's who I would have
2: why I gotta be black <laughs> i don't know
0: white philip <laughs> so we actually finally i finally asked jason who that guy actually is it's john hawks
2: yes academy award nominee john hawks <laughs> not black philip no disrespect to black philip i'm sure he is getting a lot of john hawks roles right now uh, oh no yeah um this is we... the beginning of the end for uh, for old hawks
0: When we reviewed 10 Cloverfield Lane, we were very um, careful not to give any spoilers. And if you still haven't seen it, I think we should still respect that um, because I feel like it would be a great movie to watch like, you know, late at night at home Mm. um, and and not know what's going on.
2: Yeah, and uh, I will say this is one of the ones that Rebecca really stumped to get onto the top 10 list. Uh, what I was did. it about this one in particular that you really wanted to make sure it was included on this list?
0: I felt this was a movie that, uh, as soon as I saw it, I was recommending to everyone I know. I think that um, it's it's it keeps you on the edge of your seat in a way that a movie hasn't in a long time uh, for me. And the acting's phenomenal. Um, I I like when you can't figure out what's going on. Um, and it, the whole time I was just so engaged. and And, and people love it.
2: There's the same things she says about the best sex she's had. Uh, All the same. Same attribute. Doesn't know what's going on. No idea. Engaged, though. Fully engaged. Fully engaged, but very confused. Very scared. (laughs) Very scared.
0: Um, And at the end, you figure out it's dangerous. So (laughs) you were right the whole time. Also,
2: John Goodman's there.
0: (laughs) I have him on retainer. (laughs) Jason? like a sexual
2: Java hut in the corner of your bedroom.
0: <laughs> Everyone has their thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no place for judging. This is a safe zone. Safe hey, space. Uh this is a movie that you uh wanted for it's number 7. Mm-hmm. Um a movie that I actually still haven't seen. Still haven't seen. One of one of, kind of two of a, a on the
2: list, I think,
0: right? Uh yeah, there're only two on the list I haven't seen. Yeah. Uh which is actually a pretty bad pretty <laughs> bad percentage. <laughs> Considering we you do, this podcast. <laughs> but anyway,
2: but you guys don't expect Rebecca to watch the movies, right?
0: That's not what I'm here for.
2: <laughs> yes, you're here to keep me in
0: line. Exactly. You're here
2: to extinguish my flames whenever they get too uh, too flamey.
0: Um, and this movie is a bigger splash. Um.
2: Yeah let's let's hear let's hear a snippet of what we had to say about that one.
0: So it's um, Mat- Matthias Schoenartz. Nope.
2: Yes. No. That's that'll that'll do.
0: Damn it! What is it?
2: Yeah. No. You basically did it. Like Matthias Skonarts.
0: Okay, say, what it, say it with some confidence. You, you said it too
2: carefully. and Mat-
0: <laughs> Mat- Mat- uh, this one, which sounds like a pretty rad couple.
2: Oh my God. They are just the coolest fucking couple in this movie. Like they are just, she knows how to make an amazingly cool movie couple with a man who is like 20 years, her junior look like just, just pure sex and glory and beauty and power. Because I because she's done it she did it just last year in, in Only Lovers Left Alive with Tom Hiddleston mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 then now here we are in this movie and because I didn't realize until after I watched this movie because I was like oh you know it's she's a little older than these actors she's with I wonder how old she is I looked her up fifty five Tittle Swinton is five years from being sixty wow good for her and she looks so. Amazing, And she's as timeless.
0: As 55-year-old women do.
2: Yes, as a 55-year-old woman, you know, certainly can do. And, you know, Julianne Moore is around that same age. So mm-hmm. that's no longer an age that we're like, well, that's the crone years. But, <laughs> but, uh, but no, she... But it still is for but, men. But, any
0: man over 50 is disgusting.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but no, Tilda, I say that not to, you know, turn it into a conversation about like women and aging, but to say that Tilda just repels any kind of human... Weakness, <laughs> just, just, just her very being. You know, she transcends age. She transcends, uh, you know, gender. Um, according to the casting people of Doctor Strange, she transcends race. hi <laughs> uh, hiyo. So, uh, and she, she's just, uh, she is just otherworldly uh, entirely. Which is probably why she got cast in that role in Doctor Strange. But so, yeah. So she and Matthias are just the most heavenly, just, just, oof, amazing couple in this movie. Like. And they're both just, especially this opening scene, them just lounging around nude, just looking amazing. And yes, so this, this is, this is, this is couple goals all the
0: way. <laughs> um, and this movie is from the director of "I Am Love," that mm-hmm. was also in in Italy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, starring Tilda. Yeah. Uh, but that had all the the food shots, all yes. the uh, food, food porn, but not food porn, uh, food and porn. Yes. Food, um, food and sex. Is this like this? Is that's like that?
2: So this it has um, a couple of food scenes. Uh, I think the director is aware that if he did too many that he would get like pegged as just like the food, the porn, food guy. porn guy. Um, but like no, you are on Instagram, ugh, like I am, will never be <laughs> taking a blood <laughs> oath. Never be that guy. Um, so this is such a sensual, seductive movie. It's it, it's just like the photography, the things that they're just like this. They're, they're just they're just living in the lap of luxury. Uh, just lying around this gorgeous villa, playing records and drinking and eating and taking their clothes off, and uh and and and, and uh, it's just it's just you just let it wash over you. This mm-hmm. is a kind of movie you just like you just like sit back and you are just like, oh, <laughs> this is just this is this is delectable. Uh, so yeah, so it's similar to I Am Love in the sense that like that was such a sensual movie and this is also such a movie, but it won't make you as hungry.
0: I feel but like you'll thirsty though. Heyo. Um, so we didn't talk about the clips we were going to pick for the movies of the week and every clip you picked that made me look like an idiot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is meant as a loving homage, just a loving chronology of Rebecca's many fumbles and bumbles uh, <laughs> as your intrepid uh, producer.
0: Masked as a mid-year review.
2: I mean, I love these movies.
0: <laughs> You're like, but you said to send this one back.
2: Why is it on the list?
0: <laughs> but it's the one where I mispronounced somebody's name. <laughs> Damn it.
2: Hey, guys, this is you. This is my ringtone. Anytime Rebecca texts me, is it her, her trademark?
0: Damn it. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so a bigger splash. A bigger splash. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Rebecca still hasn't, still hasn't seen that one. No, um, I haven't. Despite I, the Tilda Bowie homage.
0: I believe that one's not out for rent yet.
2: No. um, It'll be out very soon. Excellent. It'll be out very soon to rent, uh, so be on the lookout walk- uh, on, on, on the lookout for that. And uh, and I I, have, I get to watch the second time. I was hoping to, before we did this, to see if it stood up um, to the test of <laughs> seeing it two months later. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, my memories of seeing that film are very very fond. So I want to put it
0: on this list. I'm definitely definitely on my to watch list um, as soon as it comes out for rent. And that brings us to movie number six, which is Tickled. Let's hear what we said at the
2: time. Um, You know, I mean, I wish that we could go into more depth about this. But, you know, it's it's, I will say that, you know, so Rebecca was asking me if this is the kind of thing that she could watch in an environment where people could possibly see her watching it. And the funny thing is that although there is no there's no nudity, there's Mm -hmm. no sex, but just the footage of these these attractive muscle bound young men tickling one another. Yeah. Is so pornographic. It really is. It feels so. You like you're like I'm watching porn, but I'm not. But I am. It's such a strange thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, and the thing you know, if you're if you're looking for an in-depth um sex psychological study of of tickling as a fetish, you're really not going to get it here. Um, that is initially what this journalist was interested in, and then things turn into something else entirely. It turns into more of a thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but it you know but it's it's but then he you know finds a way to add for tickling as like a metaphor for the way that the powerful can can manipulate the less mm-hmm. powerful. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is this is a movie that I could not recommend highly enough that you see sooner than later before you Definitely. have anything spoiled about it yeah before you. the
0: spoilers come out and it's very short it's only an hour and a half long
2: yeah it's quick and it is it is you will just have your mouth be hanging open throughout the entire movie so we were very tight-lipped at the time about that movie's content and just like with 10 Chlorophyll lane we will remain tight-lipped especially because there's probably um a much greater chance you've already seen 10 Chlorophyll lane rather than take a hold so mm-hmm, a much true. smaller movie but it is well worth seeking out. I've had a number of uh, friends come back after seeing the movie and just with exactly the same, just gobsmacked uh, uh, outlook on it that Rebecca and I had. Uh, so it's still just such one of the most fun, uh, mind-blowing, crazy documentaries I've ever seen.
0: It's such a wild ride. Yeah, you really have to buckle in. It's so crazy um, and absolutely worth it. Yes. Um, so that brings us to number five, which is the invitation. Uh, in this clip, we talk a little bit about um, what we would have done if we were in the place of uh, the protagonist. This movie presents a conundrum that you'll find here on the West Coast in, mm. in LA. Yeah. Um, is this a cult? Or are these just new age weirdos? Yeah. Yeah. I find that here in San Francisco too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I think all these
0: people are so interesting. Oh, uh, Oh. Mm. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. I believe in myself. I already don't <laughs> like you. This is. i to sorry.
2: I do est. I don't need this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it does kind of feel like a funny satire on like because as you'll see, this when we can say that you know it takes place at dinner party, and the people at this dinner party they take a lot.
0: They do. <laughs>
2: they go through quite a bit without ever actually like like some of them kind of are like oh, I should probably go, but for the most part they're like. Eh. They kind of take it all in stride. Yeah. They're like, I live me... in Los Angeles. So I go to a lot of dinner parties. I've seen weirder shit than this.
0: <laughs> there was definitely a part of me that was just like, like, y'all need to leave yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, get and the fuck out. But then it was like, okay, I was trying to think of my, if I were in that situation, and this doesn't give it away too much, but mm-hmm. these people are kind of reunited. Um, they haven't hung out in like two years, but they used to be really close. And they're they're kind of, Trying to kick it off again. So, I'm trying to think of people that I was close to two years ago or I'm sure. close to now. And, and if something happened that sort and, of caused a rift, and, and, and you, you know, i be more trusting of them. You know, a
2: lot of weirdos, too. I do
0: know what this could come from anybody I know. Yeah,
2: it could be absolutely anyone. And it'd be just be like, oh, well, you know, like they're off on some kind of trip about whatever. Right. Uh, you know, so because this, this the, the, the tension, the dissonance does have to do with these friends they haven't heard from in a while having taken on a new kind of belief system. Mm hmm um and so and again which doesn't
0: feel like a religion like it's just a very kind of thing that you would hear anybody sort of yeah it's like a philosophy it's yeah. like a
2: philosophy but there's also some kind of like non-traditional medicine elements to it Mm -hmm. uh so it all felt very like yep this is something you'd hear at a a house party in la right uh not at all surprising right uh so you can kind of buy in a satirical way why more of the people at the party don't just get the fuck out
0: right exactly
2: so yeah we talked about a lot of movies uh (laughs) this year that we liked. that we were also like we're not telling
0: you any yet thing about what
2: happens in this movie this is another one where we were like we are sitting on this tight we 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 sit on things, Rebecca and I very tightly, very tightly, and this was one of them, just just waiting for it to hatch. yeah I we're saw this take it one... in, a, in a chicken direction.
0: <laughs> I saw this one again after our review. um our review had uh my wife wanted to see it because our review was so uh stellar about it, so it was definitely one I wanted to watch again, and there was there's this huge thing that happens at the end mm-hmm. that makes the whole situation much more epic that I missed the first time, um, so I'm glad I saw it again. I encourage you to pay attention to the very end; it'll it'll blow your mind. Um, this movie is fantastic.
2: Yes, I spent a lot of time imagining what could have distracted Rebecca the first time she watched it; that she somehow missed this. It's
0: probably a cat meow. Yeah, or... I'm
2: going to guess it was a cat. It was it's she was she was admonishing a cat from meowing. Not uh, <laughs> missed... during
0: my movies. <laughs> yes, respect my time. This
2: is
1: my time.
2: <laughs> um, I would also note that if you have since watched the invitation, or when you do watch it, if you'd like to hear a much more in depth. A review of the entire movie, including everything that actually happens in it. I did an episode of our friends' podcast, The Bloodlust, um, where we went way in depth from from several people's perspectives on this movie, every inch of it. So, check out The Bloodlust. Look it up wherever you get your podcasts, and you will find an episode about The Imitation featuring moi.
0: If you can't get enough Jason.
2: Yes, exactly. If you're not getting enough of my voice between my, my present tense voice and my flashback voice.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> you can also hear me. Uh, sc- I drank an entire bottle of rosé during the taping that podcast oh, excellent. as well. So you can hear my drunk voice whenever I get even faggier. Um, movie number four
0: <laughs> is The Meddler.
2: The other movie Rebecca did not watch yet. That's the other one. Uh, so for The Meddler, um, I had the great thrill of sitting down with its writer-director, Lorene Scafaria, as well as its leading lady, its embattled lightning rod leading lady, Susan <laughs> Sarandon. Um, and uh, so this clip is going to be from the intro that we recorded to that interview. Um and that interview, of course, is still available on our website and wherever you find this podcast. Uh, no, this is this is one of the best mother-daughter movies I've ever seen. Like, genuinely, sincerely. Is
0: it better than wings?
2: uh, Wings?
0: Wings? Isn't that the movie? Terms of what? Yeah, you're right. Terms of Endearment.
2: Terms of Endearment. (laughs) where do you get wings? Deborah
0: Winger? Is that where you got wings? Yeah. (laughs) That's what I call her. You know, that movie with wings. That's my
2: girl with wings. FKA Wings.
0: Wind Beneath My Wings? (laughs) From a distance? What is that?
2: that's from beaches.
0: Oh. Yeah, I was thinking about Terms of Endearment.
2: Close enough. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, like, Terms of Endearment is a classic in its own right, of course, but I feel like this is a more modern movie, you know, like, that was a different generation, and I feel like, I feel like modern audiences are really going to vibe with this. I feel like, you know, Laureen has really spared no detail in just excavating this very personal stuff and uh which we talk a little bit about in this interview and uh so you know and they they kind of talk about this movie as being it's about what your mother is doing when you're not calling her
0: oh oh jeez.
2: i know yeah so and they've been marketing this movie with t-shirts that say call your mother uh <laughs> it's been the whole thing is just call your mother um, but this is not this is not um, a kind of broad uh, comedy of like oh my mom's a pain in the ass. My mom's like what do I do?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it is uh, it, it's it's so much more nuanced than that, and uh, and it's acted so beautifully. This is the biggest lead role that Susan Sarandon has played in a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that's part of why that she's out doing uh, just a full press tour for it, um, and of course that has coincided. With her being in the news for other things, yes, and being a bit of a lightning rod, Um, and we talk about that a little bit in this interview as well. Um, But this movie could not have less to do with the things that Mm -hmm. she has been in the press talking about. Um, It is uh, so she it's she it's such a warm, wonderful performance. I feel like you know she more often than not kind of gets cast as as sort of like a you know a a supporting wife or supporting grandmother somewhere in the background of someone else's life, and here it switches that you know it turns the tables. And initially we're thinking like okay, so this is going to be about Rose Byrne's character Laurie, and and uh, in her experiences having her mother suddenly show up in her life, but then. Lori goes to New York to work on a TV project. And then it's just about her mother, Marnie, mm-hmm. just living in LA and just hanging out at the Grove all day and hanging out at the Apple store and, uh, and offering to like pay for Lori's friends' weddings and, uh, just doing whatever, just like looking for her new place in life right. now that she's been widowed. And, uh, so it's, and it's really touching without being in any way corny or saturn. Uh, it's, uh, it's, so that's a really cool thing. Rose Byrne is fantastic in it. Uh, as always, J.K. Simmons plays sort of an unlikely love interest of sorts for Marnie, and he, of course, is is fantastic. There's an incredible supporting cast. We have Jason Ritter, we have Casey Wilson, we have Lucy Punch, hmm. we have Cecily Strong, um, Michael McKeon, Harry Hamlin. Wow, uh, the list she, goes on. Sherry Appleby. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, Lorraine got a, an incredible cast together for this one, and uh, and it's I it, I just can't wait to see it again. Wings might be <laughs> the most You're the, the most head scratching of uh, of Rebecca's malapropisms uh, <laughs> over the last uh, little less than a year, but the one that might also bring me the most joy. <laughs> and uh, I believe Rebecca also referenced wings on a recent episode uh, of our show.
0: I love that show. <laughs> so, the show Wings. Yes,
2: and also Not Deborah the movie
0: Wings. <laughs> Or any movie with wings. I mean,
2: there was a movie, like, I think the first movie that ever won Best Picture is called Wings. Uh, So there is that. And then there's also... Paul McCartney. Yeah, there's that. And there's also Deborah Wings Winger. Wings Winger. Which which may have been where your polluted stream of consciousness had taken you on that particular evening that we were recording. That's what it was.
0: (laughs) Um, But yeah, so you really summed up what's great about The Meddler there. That's another one I'll be sure to see soon. Yes.
2: uh, That one, I believe, should be coming to... to iTunes in like August, mid-August.
0: Oh, so perfect. So be on the lookout for Just it. Just in time. Uh, we're getting down to the top three. Top three. Uh, number three is Wiener. Um, and in this one, in this clip, we uh, we talked a little bit about um, Huma's role in the movie, who is Anthony Wiener's wife, uh, Huma Aberdeen.
2: And whose name you might be seeing at the bottom of your Hillary Clinton fundraising emails if yeah. you are getting those by the truckload like I am.
0: <laughs> um, but is a big part of the movie.
2: Oh yeah. Uh she's a huge part of the movie. So they have a lot of access in this movie. The the these documentarians were granted like so much access and it is painful to watch. Really? So we see the first time we see Huma, she is sitting in a room with Anthony, and he is like playing with their son, because they have a very young son because she was pregnant. While these First. scandals were happening, oh my God. and um and so he's playing through a young son, and she, and I'm sure it's editing, but she is just giving him this this just death look, and uh and and not like a kind of a comedy death look, but just like a bone deep resentment, mm-hmm. um just staring at him.
0: Like, the look I give to you. Yes, exactly. I
2: recognize it. That's how I knew it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she is, and she, but she's, but she's there. She's there throughout the entire thing. And, you know, she is, you know, she's smarter. Uh, She's smart enough not to, like, throw big scenes in front of the cameras. Right. But we know unmistakably where she is at with things. Mm-hmm. And we see her her kind of the way she pulls herself together when they're having a fundraiser versus how she is when it's just her and Anthony and the advisors. Uh, and she's such a fascinating figure. And, um, and kind of the reason that he even decides to enter the race is as an act of atonement of sorts to Huma. Because she is like, my promising political career and my path to being just a like, political power couple was sabotaged by your dick. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you need to fucking atone for this mess. You need to make something of it. Yeah. You need to get, you know, get your shit together and run for mayor of New York. Like, that's attainable. That's something that we could maybe do.
0: So I picked that clip because I thought that was um, the most interesting part of the movie is Hmm. um, not only seeing how the scandal sort of. You know, it happens in real time, and that Mm -hmm. you're sort of behind the scenes in this crazy situation where you probably would never imagine to have this sort of access. But seeing how their relationship is and just Mm -hmm. watching Humo is really uh, fascinating.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, politically, we've always been so fascinated by, you know, this idea of the good wife, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, whether it be Hillary Clinton or whether it be.
0: Juliana Margulies. Juliana (laughs) Margulies,
2: or you know, whether it be uh, you know any any you know political wife who just has to stand by um, her man, you know, in the face of a a sex scandal like this, Um, and so you know this kind of uh, brings us into watching that happen in real time, uh, in real life, and by a very very formidable woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's endlessly fascinating, and, and the entire movie is very, very fascinating. It's not like oh, the rest of it's a snooze. Like oh, you know, obviously Anthony Weiner himself is an endlessly fascinating figure, mm-hmm. um, but by, but Huma just by virtue of being so quiet, and you, you just sense the power uh, in right. her as a person, and um, and just you know, just staring at her, just thinking like, what are you thinking? I mean, it's just yeah, it's it's so fascinating. The entire movie is just a masterpiece.
0: Yeah, I think that when you when you hear like political documentary. You have an idea that it's either going to kind of be preachy mm-hmm. or maybe even educational, right uh, but this movie is just really it's a character study. It's like a human study mm-hmm. of, of people in crisis, yeah. and it's a it, it opens up a whole world that we're very unfamiliar with yes, um, and that's why so number three, um speaking of a world that we're not too familiar with, our number two is zootopia um but before we get on to the lazy jokes, mm-hmm. did, this had, Inside Out had a lot of great takeaways. Does Zootopia have any great takeaways?
2: Uh, it does. So the thing that's really that I was, I was stunned by some of the jokes in this movie. Uh, so it starts off as just like another underdog story about, you know, there's never been a rabbit cop before, mm-hmm. but that won't stop this rabbit, you know, from becoming a cop and so she's you know she's working her way up and so they're already kind of addressing discrimination on that level that okay. you know like this is like this animal that has never done this before and she's very plucky and leslie nope about it and she's like well i'll just have to be the first um so okay. whenever she first shows up at the police station to check in uh there is uh there is this uh one the, the animal that's at the reception desk checking her in says oh aren't you just so cute and she says i'm sorry um only bunnies can call each other cute, and he's like, "Oh, oh my god, I'm so sorry." She's like, "It's it's it's fine. Just you know, just thought you should know."
1: Uh, so I'm like, "Oh
2: damn!" Uh, I'm like they're making like slur jokes. Uh, then and this there's there's sort of they're gradually fleshing out their world building and letting us know like where all the different animals fit in within like the kingdom of this movie. Mm-hmm. And so we found that foxes are considered like the very very lowest class. And oh, it's uh, like a class system okay. it's very much a class system and uh so- cl- no one trusts foxes um and uh and, and other animals that used to be um uh, predators so this the, the whole thing of this movie is that like things have evolved to a place where animals that used to prey on other animals no longer do, but there's still like a lingering fear and distrust that they mm. could start doing it again and uh interesting and so um and so the bunny. Is talking to the fox, and uh, she like helps him out. He's kind of he's a scam artist, and so he's, she is helping him out, not realizing he's a scam artist yet. And she's like, "You are just so articulate." No. Yes. Really. And he's like, "And you are not at all patronizing." Wow. Saying that. Yeah. 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 Uh, So I'm like, oh my god, damn! This is great. And if that wasn't enough, later on. The bunny and the fox are sitting with a sheep. I believe it actually might be Jenny Slate. And the fox touches the sheep's wool. No. Yes. And the bunny says, You can't just go around touching a sheep's wool.
0: Nice. I was like,
2: holy fuck.
0: That's amazing. Get that I message in early. I do not
2: believe these jokes are in this movie. Uh but then yeah, then it really just becomes about the main the main plot ends up being about um, people trying to stoke outdated fears of minority groups. Uh, because that's sort of like that's that, that's the, the the mission that's happening in this movie that, that mm-hmm. she that the bunny's trying to uncover is it seems like all these animals that used to be predators that have since become civilized are now becoming predators again and they're attacking. Mm. And so and everyone's like worked up about it and everyone's terrified. Like, well we need to do something about these predators because they're attacking. And um and so, so and then it turns out yeah, it's State. about yeah, yeah, exactly. They're scapegoating. They're, they're, you know, these, and they're trying to figure out why. You can't say scapegoat, Jason. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not, That's not offensive in this case. to goats. <laughs> we can say that about each other. <laughs> uh, so.
0: I also really like this review because this is when we first found out that we both love Emperor's new groove.
2: Yes, yes. That was a pivotal moment in our. It it's really the only was. thing that keeps us going at times. Ember's is just remembering moment. that shared, that share, this very moment when <laughs> Rebecca is seething with rage at the many clips I've chosen that present her no less than a flattering light. <laughs> While also being combined with me making my most salient points about <laughs> the movies. It just so happens. You
0: really had to dig deep for those <laughs> clips, huh? <laughs>
2: but what you heard in that Zootopia clip was me sowing the seeds of what uh, would later be. Become one of Rebecca's when she found because she hadn't seen the movie yet Not when yet. we recorded that and then I remember you went and saw it opening weekend you were like holy shit
0: just blown away um, crying the whole time um, which was weird because it was all children in the theater right and yeah. we left and I was crying and also it's a comedy <laughs> <You're> right <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but the t-
2: children let's focus on the children it's just the, the children were there that was made it uh, weird that you were crying the whole time. <laughs>
0: The movie is, um, it's adorable, it's so smart, um, it's very clever, the plot is really interesting, the messages that you, as you mentioned in the clip we just played, uh, are there, but they're, they're not too preachy, um, absolutely love this movie, mm-hmm. wonderful for children and adults alike.
2: This is the most I've loved an animated movie in, in years.
0: I think Emperor's New Groove came out in 1996.
2: Right, so a solid 20 years.
0: A solid 20. Um, Jason. Yeah. We're at movie number one.
2: We're at number one. Number one of the year so far.
0: Do you know what it is?
2: <laughs> what is it again? Oh, yeah. Um, I know what it is because I love it. And uh, and it's number one with a bullet. It is The Lobster. Uh, and, uh, you know, man, it's it's just great. So let's hear us raving at the time. Although I think this is... No, you you had seen it. So this is mm-hmm. one where yeah. we both had seen it. And uh, both felt equally as passionately, and we were both perfectly comfortable and excited to announce it as our number one of 2016 at this major point.
0: So this movie, um, there are a lot of themes. there's a lot there's a lot that goes on in the story. Um, there's the whole ridiculousness of like becoming right. an animal if you don't find a partner. First of all, i'm gonna I'm gonna break here. What animal would you be, Jason?
2: <laughs> well, you know I, I've given this a little bit of thought. And I was thinking, because, okay, so considerations to take, you know, when you're thinking what animal would I be, one of the first things I think of is, like, food chain.
0: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you wouldn't want to be an animal that's being, like, relentlessly pursued as food. Right. By, um, by whether it be human or animal, um, predators. And, you know, and then you want to be an animal that people like. I guess I would want to be an animal people like. Maybe some people want to be an animal people want to have left alone. but. Mm-hmm. I want to be an animal that people like. Um, you know, I'd like to be some kind of, you know, luxury animal.
0: Oh, man, if you steal my animal.
2: And I I landed at a koala bear. Speechless. So
0: when you say, when when you hear the word luxury.
2: <laughs> I picture life in captivity in zoos, yes. Okay. Just being fawned over, like, who doesn't love a koala bear? Nobody. Precious, precious things. Um, yeah, just kept, I, I'm fine being a caged bird.
0: How are um, they at the will food chain? Aren't they at the bottom of the food chain? No, because
2: no who eats a koala bear?
0: Other other mammals? Who? Well, they eat bamboo, so they yeah, don't. That's fine. They're at the bottom. They're, I'm fine with that, but no one eats them, though. I mean, I guess in the wild, they, not in a zoo. Yeah, right.
2: Well, yeah, certainly not in a zoo. And... You also you
0: haven't had koala chips. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Falling <laughs> off the bone. Koala fingers. Koala fingers. <laughs> No, I think their koala, little round ears make such good I think koala, snacks. because i don't
2: know like i don't know that they have any natural predators like i'm sure that just by being small mammals that are not known for their speed that like if they were out in the wild and there was like some fucking panther or something nearby that yeah they 'd be in danger, but I feel like most panther you know most koalas are in habitats you know that they're sort of have their designed to keep them there because mm-hmm. I think I think they're endangered i mean every fucking animal's endangered, but so yeah, that's that's where I landed. Just huh. having people coo over me for my cuteness, and no one wants to eat me. So that's a good one. Uh, what about you?
0: I went with uh, one that's mentioned in the movie, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Well, I'll tell you why. I went with an animal. I wanted an animal that travels in packs um, because I like to be surrounded by um, my own kind. <laughs> <laughs> Like-minded individuals is what I meant to say. <laughs> um, and it's very anthropological whenever they, you see her yeah. back out for a night in the town. <laughs> um, and an animal that could also, there's some kind of weirdo people out there that would like to keep one as a domestic pet. Mm. Um, and they are pretty good hunters and they don't take too much maintenance to like a normal size. Mm. So I went with a wolf.
2: Oh, this is this should not be shocking to me at all. I should really? have guessed that. I should have guessed that.
0: I thought you were going to think I was going to say cat.
2: No, no, I didn't expect you to say a cat at all. No. Cats no. are. Like, you, you can love a cat without wanting to be a cat. Yeah. The Rebecca Elarte story.
0: <laughs> I'm going to sleep out that mantra tonight. <laughs> you can love a cat without wanting to be a cat. You can love a cat without wanting to be a cat. <laughs> it's
2: a breakthrough moment.
0: It's really um, There's a lot in this movie So -hmm. there's this animal situation There's There Thoughts about what Love is And what relationships are And what they aren't What being free is Mm -hmm. Um, So much to unpack Um, Did you feel like it was um, Heavy? Did you feel like it was It made sense to you?
2: Uh, I I love it. It has a lot of ideas without necessarily wanting to, I think, say any particular thing about them, Mm -hmm. which I think is for the best. Like, I think that, you know, you don't want a movie to be didactic about Mm -hmm. like its message. I think it gets you thinking about because I think all people in the modern world are aware of the absurdities around relationship status Mm -hmm. and around the pressure to be in a relationship and about the meanings that are attached to relationships by the individual as well as by institutions. Mm hmm. And Mm -hmm. so uh, this movie is just kind of like a giant riff on all of that, like imagining this scenario. And I think that's part of why I think the movie is so accessible, even though it sounds weird, because joking about singleness transcends all like class and social and economic barriers. Yeah, like this is there could not be a more universal experience than the feeling of being single mm-hmm. um, and feeling like ostracized for it and feeling like you're expected to, uh, you know, partner up or else you're going to, like, lose your humanity altogether. Right. Um, You know, which this takes to a hilarious um, extreme. Exactly. Um, But then this movie also looks at the flip side of that, which is, you know, sort of like proud lone wolves, mm-hmm. such as yourself. Uh, but not all wolves are lone. And you're like, I said a pack, goddammit.
0: <laughs> Remember? <laughs> My own kind. Definitely not be a lone wolf. No.
2: Um, but, you know,
0: people who say they're lone wolves.
2: Yeah. And when it, someone
0: says that, it is. Oh,
2: yeah. Shut it down. Uh, scary, yeah. You're right. like, well, you're not walking my pack. Exactly. <laughs> sorry about it. <laughs> um, I'm not sorry. All right. I'm not sorry. All right. All right, anyway. So, yeah. Uh, you know, this movie also looks into the, you know, sort of the other side of the spectrum of people who are, yeah, it's like proudly um, loners and, you know, who then would re- just reject, uh, you know, any kind of, you know, relationship as like a sign of weakness. And so, you know, so it kind of, it plays with both sides of it. Although I think it's a lot more potent um, when they're skewering, you know, the the relationship um, hotel, because mm-hmm. I think that's something that, you know, it's just, there's a lot more fun to be had there. It gets a lot darker when it goes into the woods. Uh, into the woods, into indeed. Into the woods.
0: Um, I thought, it, I think that because both sides are so, have such like, strict draconian rules around like what it means to be in a relationship what it means to be single mm-hmm. i felt the single side was also really uh, hilarious mm-hmm. that it makes there's no clear winner and like it almost makes you think for a moment if you haven't in a while or if you never had mm-hmm. like wait a minute it's it's not very often that something takes you out of like your mode of life and like this is how things are. And then when it's blown to this extreme, you're sort of, you sort of stop and you're like, wait, what is the system that we do? Why do mm-hmm. we do this? This is ridiculous. Yeah. And then yeah. you then you forget and you go back to yeah. whatever you're doing, which is the
2: mark of a great allegory. Exactly. Uh, and you know, and then even uh, you know, it makes it so it satirizes both sides of the relationship divide. And mm-hmm. then also, um, even you know, shows this couple sort of getting into a relationship against all odds in an unlikely way and then showing like you know what people need to bond over like throughout the movie there are references to you know you need to have some commonality with the person you're with you know like two people both have a limp uh, mm-hmm. Or two people both get nosebleeds, uh, and like that's like the thing that binds them, and they need that thing in common to feel like you know this is my partner. And right. It's, it's like
0: the oh you like toast, I like toast.
2: Right. Right. Exactly. So in, so there's real. This is not one of those movies where you have like a character who is smarter than the rest of them and who transcends right. it and is like wise and sees the big picture. No.
0: Like, oh, that would be annoying.
2: Yeah. Exactly. No one here is like that. No mm-hmm. one here is like that. The, you know we have characters who you know kind of dislike both circumstances and just kind of do, want to do what they wanted. But are not immune to their own sort of human foolishness. Exactly. You know, so in that one, Rebecca, we had a goof of yours of sorts. Of course. <laughs> but,
0: but <laughs> I'm sorry to think it's me. <laughs>
2: um, it was delightful though. Um, but we also had, I think, you know, one of the most sort of like... Uh, wise uh you know sort of eloquent uh things you've said about uh <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so there's peak elo- peak eloquence uh for rebecca in that clip i just when you're talking about the way that it inflates a situation that takes us out of our everyday mm. um um uh, momentum and our um, uh, what's that word for when things are moving quickly? Inertia. Mm. It takes us out of the inertia and then it like reflects them back to us by inflating it to the point where we're like, wait, is that what we do? Why do we do that? Mm-hmm. I thought that was incredibly well said. So I thought that was a, a beautifully made point
0: thank you (laughs) thank you
2: yeah so i mean yeah i mean like rebecca you were with me on the lobster being number one of the year so as well absolutely yeah uh
0: definitely one i've recommended uh to everybody i know i think i saw it twice after we saw it Mm. um it's just so darn good uh it's so clever it's hilarious there are these Mm. small moments that are so funny um i i couldn't stop laughing yeah
2: yeah no it's it's brilliant um, this is, this is one of the ones in on this list I for sure expect to have in our end of year list as well. I can't, Absolutely. I can't imagine there being 10 better movies than The Lobster that's going to come up between now and Christmas. No way. It's just not possible.
0: That is our list. That's Those a, are the 10 movies. Yeah.
2: That's our top 10 of the year. We have some, uh, honorable mentions as well that we'll throw up on the website, mm-hmm. uh, the us when we post this. Go and, see
0: these movies.
2: Yeah. Um, The Lobster is on iTunes now. Um, so it's already available to watch from the comfort of your own home. Awesome.
0: Uh, we do have one more thing to play if you have a minute, um, <laughs>
2: because if you come this far with us, what's another thirteen minutes or so? Right,
0: <laughs> we uh, we were gonna also do like our bottom five of the uh, year so far, but we. We kind of thought about why. Like, if we didn't recommend you see them then, we're still not going to recommend you see them. Right. But we did have a moment um, in this first half of the year where we really just kind of went off. Yeah. Um, and that was for the movie 13 Hours. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Secret Soldiers of Benghazi? Yeah, that Something sounds like right. That. Um, which, did you see when one of the, um, at the RNC, one of yeah. were, he was up there and his yeah. fly was down?
2: Oh, no, I didn't see that. The fly was down, <laughs> yeah. but I saw them talking about it on... Um, either Colbert or Daily Show they were talking about what those guys were saying and um and they were like you know we were told to stand down and then either Trevor Noah or Stephen Colbert one of those guys was like yeah except here's the thing that never happened right. there was you know no official representative told him to stand down um and they're like however uh they're like it's something that they if that sounds like something that was invented for a movie it was, and then they showed the clip from the movie of, of like the evil cat you know, khaki-clad, uh, you know, bureaucrat Burecrat, being yeah. like, "No, stand down! Don't be heroes!" Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's 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 funny that that has yeah re reemerged um, just as we're as we're doing this, but you know, thirteen hours is not my pick for the worst movie of the year, but I know it's not Rebecca's number one.
0: So infuriating! Such an irresponsible piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's uh, and you'll hear us get into that. But I think the reason that we want to um, give this to you guys is because I feel like this was a breakthrough moment for Rebecca and I in um, in recording reviews where we're just really just vibing off each other and just letting go (laughs) like we this this was this was like the dam, like, you know, the flood, the floods, floodgates, flood, floodgates, floodgates were opened on this one. I'm like, damn, damn walls, floodgates, sugar walls,
0: damn walls, (laughs) those damn walls. (laughs) Um, But we'll we'll go ahead and say goodbye to you now uh, if you have a minute. Keep, keep listening, and then we'll play the review right after this. Thank you so much for listening to our mid-year review.
2: Yes, thanks for sticking with us so far through this, this festering shithole of a year that's managed to yield some pretty good movies.
0: Yeah, not so bad. Um, again, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at FightBalance. Jason's at the Jason Leroy. Um, be sure to stay tuned for this uh, review of 13 Hours, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. You're not giving orders anymore. You're in my world now. My family once tonight. Thinking about them now. Up here in the middle of all this. All that son of a bitch. Thinking about my girls, man. I fucking hate myself for saying that tagline in (laughs) in like the dramatic way because I feel like I'm just feeding into the whole fucking thing.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're, you're betraying your, your NPR natural voice by using it for evil. I am.
0: I'm using it for evil. Where do you want to, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Should we get the nice stuff out of the way?
2: Yeah, let's, let's, let's get the nice stuff out of the way so that we can really dig into all the problems this movie has. (laughs) <laughs> so it's beautifully shot, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a beautifully shot movie. Um, it is really well crafted as an action movie. It's two and a half hours long, and I was never anything less than completely engrossed, and sometimes just grossed uh, <laughs> by it. Uh, and uh, it's there's there's not like bad performances or anything like that. So technically, it has it's totally like above average solid action military movie uh so do you have any nice things you would like to add rebecca
0: kudos to john krasinski for getting in really great shape (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. He did get in really great shape, although you'll see if you see the movie, which we're not going to say you necessarily should.
0: I'm going to specifically say don't.
2: <laughs> um he yeah, he as you may know from his press tour for this movie, he got in crazy ripped up shape and he only is shirtless in the movie for literally 3 seconds. And it's dark out.
0: Yeah, he so totally got it robbed on that. I'm
2: like, "Girl, like, why did you go through all that just for that? I wonder if he asked for the shirtless scene. He's like, you guys seriously want me to do all this? I and need to take not, my shirt off. Yeah, it's like, you guys, I'm going to do this, right? Like, he's like, you, He's like, I can do it during before the fight or during the fight. but It'll, it'll <laughs> be a lot more awkward if I do it during the siege. Uh, but, you know, it's up to you guys.
0: I, uh, I feel like the only person I recommended this movie is to someone who I felt would appreciate a bunch of strong, well-built bearded men who mm. look like they would hate fuck you to mm. the, to watch it. Dave. Dave. <laughs> 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 I mean, you made an audible Ooh, at one point during the movie. Oh, well,
2: yeah. When John Krasinski like, had a shirtless scene because like... It was he... when that
0: guy was pushing the tires. No,
2: I didn't really... It wasn't during that scene because I know you were thinking that was doing it for me, but that guy didn't really do it for me. I was like amused by how gay it was. It
0: was so gay. Because of
2: these like the shorty, shorty, short shorts that he had on while he was like th- throwing the tire around all sweaty and greased up. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that, yeah. Well, John Krasinski had walked out with a shirt off because I have always, you know, been into him and he, I and mean, he really got into like crazy shape Yeah, for this it's movie. intense. There's, there's more, There, it's like an, it's a, it's a startling amount of definition on his torso. Um, but, and then during the, um, there was a featurette that they ran for the movie that they might be doing for all screenings. That's basically like a, the real men endorse the movie type situation. Yeah. And it, which is strange. I feel like it's very un, it's odd. unprecedented, really, for like you know, like a true story to open with a featurette with like the guys being like, "Yep, yeah, this is what happened." You know, we watched it. We we helped write it, and this this is it. So settle in for the truth. Like that it just feels so strange. very very strange. But so I had only known this movie as like the John Krasinski got hot movie, <laughs> but then during the featurette, and they're showing like little preview clips of the movie. And I realized that Pablo Schreiber is also in it. Oh, right. And I was like, I don't know if my pussy can take it.
0: And you might know him as Porn Stash from Orange is the New Black. Yes,
2: but if you only know him as that, then you think that I'm disgusting and crazy for thinking that he's hot. <laughs> you no,
0: know, you might also know him as the murder rapist from Law and Order, in which case you also think Jason <laughs> is insane.
2: But if you know him as that one drug dealer on weeds that Nancy fucks toward the end... <laughs> then then you will totally be with me on this. Also, if you know him as, as like, Nikki Sabatka from The Wire Season 2, then you might also see where I'm coming from with this. But no, I was, like, audibly groaning when he was on screen, like, throughout this movie. And he has, like, his sleeve and his t-shirt gets ripped off, like, halfway in, and then he just has his, like, bicep out the rest of the movie. It was so porny. So, and I could see how, like, I would enjoy the movie more than Rebecca would because that clearly does nothing for her. yeah. No. So I at least could just like sit there and in just like be gross and leering and, you know, applying my male gaze to <laughs>
0: to the material. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that happened though. I'm yeah, I feel like we won,
2: yeah. I feel like I was subverting it by just, like, yeah, like mentally just being off in some kind of big circle jerk with a cast the whole time.
0: I just kept repeating the phrase, Beardgazi. Remember to say Beardgazi <laughs> during the whole, all the times I was not uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So that's, that's, and then also, and then not only was Pablo Schreiber in it, and then later, Freddy Stroma, who played The Bachelor on Unreal Season 1, showed up. I couldn't take it. <laughs> I couldn't take it. I almost walked out. And dealt with myself and came back.
1: You
0: know what would be amazing that touches this and also gets to how much I hate this movie. Yeah, it would be so awesome if they took this movie and filmed it at, or showed it at like the Castro Theater uh-huh. and had a bunch of gay dudes show up. Oh my god, wearing like military clothes. Oh, because there's no uh, mili- uniform parties. Mili-
2: you know, military fetish is was one of the, the bigger fetishes. So. Absolutely, and then yeah. just
0: just show this movie oh my god and like do a big media thing with it yeah. i would love that oh my can god can we do that
2: i think let's do look, we have let's look at it do we have the poll do we have the cachet let's
0: see what we can do yeah let's
2: see what we can pull together because i think that that would be very successful because
0: another big thing about this movie is that it's not political the message behind it is that it's not a political movie you hear benghazi you think Hillary Clinton you think uh, the government and but this movie has gone oh no. above it's and beyond really, to say it's not political
2: oh, it's very, even in the very apolitical political in the feature right at the um, beginning yeah like this is not about politics this is about you know showing you what these six guys went through and i and i will say however much damage it does which we'll get into in a minute um i think that it does at least now when i think of benghazi uh, and while he, when I hear that word, I picture the stuff that happens in this movie in a in a big picture kind of way, not like the the shittier things we'll get into. But I'm just like now I don't just picture Fox News reporting about Hillary Clinton when yeah, I hear the yeah. word. Now, I actually picture what happens in this movie. Yeah, because you know, because what I don't want us to do is come off as like being glib about what actually happened, right. which was a tragedy, and you know, f- you know, four American lives were lost and countless you know Libyan lives. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, this is not us being like, oh, nothing happened. Oh, we're liberals. We don't care. No,
0: but at the same time, you can't use a, a, a true story and and use it to, to point whatever message and then take any critics to the movie and say that you're being unpatriotic or, right. or you're not respecting the memory of the people who passed or for mm-hmm. one reason or another. Those things don't necessarily go hand in hand, so we right. can be completely critical oh, of this yeah. movie and still be yeah, because we have a Americans, lot, yeah,
2: because we're we're going we're going to be critical in this movie, so this movie uh, is very political, this movie is intensely political, um in the sense that it you know it does not say Hillary Clinton's name, it barely it doesn't really say Obama's name. Um, but it's all it's it's all between the lines, but it's like the widest fucking lines, the you know? widest. Like, and it's like it it feels so true of everything that's wrong about conservative culture that this movie thinks it's like being sneaky mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the ways that it demonizes so much shit. And really, I feel like the core of what this movie is about is this is a movie with a chip on its shoulder.
1: Like, yes, as much
2: as this is like a hymn of praise to military heroism. This is actually a movie that is fucking pissed off on behalf of these guys who feel like they're not taken seriously. Uh, yeah, because like yeah. Know, let's let's you know for a second, like everyone's like, "Oh, it was military heroism," but just to be clear, these guys were like private contractors.
0: Exactly, they these were private are, contractors. These are not soldiers. Detailed. These are
2: ex-military. Ex-military. These six dudes were ex-military private contractors. And so, and, the, and so they're not being, you know, fucking sent out there by the military. They are signing very, very, very lucrative
0: contracts. Very lucrative.
2: Extremely lucrative contracts to go and do these things and put, themselves For in, living. and put themselves in harm's way. And that does not take away from, you know, the patriotism of wanting to... Well, not, not, that's not the right word. You know, from the, the, the courage of putting themselves in harm's way by going into the fray when this all went down at this compound. Right. But just to be clear, this is about private, co- these are employees, right? This is basically, like, a story about security guards go, you know, go jumping into the rescue to help other people out of a situation like Definitely. this. That's what this is really about. But these guys feel very disrespected. And so this is really uh, one of the it's like a culture war movie about real men versus the elite and the educated and how those guys are fucking assholes and how real men are where it's at.
0: Yeah. That, uh, that That's the part that got me the most with this movie. Oh, my God. It made this very clear line of there are these, there are these group of guys who are very strong and are very, may sm- sm- might not might be book smart, mm-hmm. but they're smart about the world. Yeah. And they know what's right. And people just need to fucking shut up and listen to them. And that's yeah. the way it's going to go. And anyone with their, as they specifically call out their Harvard or their Yale degrees. Oh, my God. Or if you're a woman, you are <laughs> a fucking weenie. Basically, the whole thing is yeah. these, the, these women and these, these Ivy, Graduate, League, yeah,
2: Ivy League. Yeah, League Graduated people
0: have been. You, they infer that these people have been judging them and putting them down for being brawn and no brains.
2: Mm-hmm. But then when shit comes, yeah, then who do they come running to? Who needs to save the day? These guys.
0: Seriously, it's so obvious, and this oh is the, thats part of the whole chip on the shoulder thing. Yeah, it is George Bush esque cowboy fucking nonsense. Yeah,
2: it panders so much. It's like the most pandering fucking movie that I can remember seeing in a while. And yeah, there's this one guy, they kind of, they distilled their, their hatred for, you know, guys who went to school and right. have like office jobs into one character
1: mm-hmm.
2: who is played by a guy who only plays villains. I remember he was like, he was, I think he was like a, a hired killer on damages and I still hate him from that. I see his face, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I fucking hate you. You killed Ellen's husband. And so he's just like he's just like you know waddling around in his like pale khakis and his like tucked in short sleeve button down, and he's like, "Okay, guys, you better do what I say." And you don't have clearance. You don't have clearance. And right. you know, "Listen, like I call the shots around here." Hmm. And they're all standing there, like, "Oh, he only gets away with it because he knows he can." And then like later, once the attack starts, and these guys are wanting to go from their their compound over to the compound where it's happening. And this guy's like, no, you don't have clearance. You can't go. And then he's like, wait, what's going
0: on? I don't know what's happening. And
2: one of the fucking military guys, one of the contractors is like, you're in
0: my world now. Oh, God. And then at the end, at the end, he says, I'm glad the, the, the I don't know, you do your impression. When he says, I can't even try to do your impression. I'm glad to know Americans like you. Oh, my
2: God. Oh. He does say that. He literally says that. He literally says the, the words, lines? I'm glad to know Americans like you. If
0: you were, okay, imagine yourself a teenager who gets bullied all the time, and you're kind of an idiot, and you are writing in your notebook, like, man, if, if the bully, like, confronted me, and then, like, one day I could be, like, then, like, someone came in the school with a gun, and I, like, saved everybody, and, like, got all the girls, and, like, what would they say to me then? Oh, we're so happy to know you, Brian. Yeah, it was, oh, like, it's a this- fantasy." Yeah, it's, it's a, a complete a, it's a fucking, fucking fantasy. nonsense fantasy.
2: It's like these guys, like, even though, you know, like, this, according to these dudes, is, is exactly what really happened, it plays like a fantasy of, like, wish fulfillment of what these guys wish people would say to them because they feel like they're not taken seriously. Yes. And so, like, the movie it's not, I feel like real heroism comes from a place of generosity. And this is a movie that wants to fucking be like, these people are all assholes. It's not a movie that has a good heart.
0: Right. It's no, movie, it's absolutely. It's a movie that wants to
2: just mock. It wants to mock the people who are not the good guys. Um, there's also Freddy Stroma um, in his role at one point uh, is trying to ask Pablo Schopper what's happening. And Pablo Schopper is like, if you want to know meet me, up on the roof and bring a gun. <laughs> and then Freddy Stroma is like, I'm sorry, he's being serious because that's his job. It's not mine. Yeah. And yes. it's like one of those things where you're supposed to be like, oh, you fucking piece of shit. That's what you're supposed to sit there and think. Like, oh, you, you're you, British. Why should I even like you? Right. You know, like, oh, you're so good, too good for any of this, huh? Whoa, all the real men are going to be upstairs saving your lives. <laughs> like, it's so pandering and so manipulative in such an obvious way. And for it to go around saying it's apolitical. Oh, well, there's an article I sent you a little while ago about the extensive conservative courting this movie has been doing. Yes. I mean, like, National Review, uh, going around, mm-hmm. you know, buying buying tons of ad time on Fox News. Uh, like, they, and this is, and this is a bottom line thing. They want to make money. And so, like, they can say the movie's apolitical, but the marketing of it is very, very political. political. Uh, let's talk about that female character.
0: Oh, my God.
2: So there's one female character in the entire movie who has more than one scene. The rest are just, like, you know, like, wives and girlfriends on Skype. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, just to reinforce, these are family men. These are all good family men who are fathers and husbands,
0: and they, they're all God
2: fearing men. They
0: talk about their kids and their family. There's a montage of family scenes that is yeah three times longer than it needs to be.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like right, like shortly before it all starts to go down. Right. They, they show sort of, everyone, like everyone.
0: <laughs> the shocking thing about this also, and this might be an unpopular opinion. <laughs> But as you mentioned, they're contractors. This yes. is a cho- This is a chosen thing. There's no, like, this is a job. And if you're going to focus on the children and the family so much, why are you fucking doing this job?
2: I know. I know. No, I mean, it's totally you didn't fair. You not
0: sign up to this to defend your country. Right. You are a, a contractor.
2: Yeah. You are there by choice. You are there by choice. And, you know, not to make light of the difficulties that, you know, the veterans have once they return from duty. And they're like, well, what do I do now? and that's I think why so many of them end up going into this kind of line of work because it's one you know like that's what their skill set is but you know with that said like John Krasinski's character in this movie he's like well this is like his like third or fourth time that he's gone out in this particular contract
0: right because as the other character says which I do your
2: impression warriors don't know how to retire
0: oh my god (laughs) <laughs> I forgot about that really line. I remember every line from the movie. Oh my movie god! Yeah, so I think, it, I think it resonated
2: with you. I think you hate it because it's pieces of you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hate the me I see. And the I'm the 14th secret soldier of Benghazi. Oh my god! In okay. spirit.
2: Okay, so there's this woman character who uh, she's meant to be some. She's she's like a lobbyist or something, mm-hmm. and she's she's French, and so you automatically know you're like oh uppity. Uh. You you get the cue. She's French. She's uppity. And the first couple, like the whole first half of the movie, is just her going and trying to have all these business meetings with one of the security guys and then just having to be pulled out of it because there's like a security breach. And every time she's like, What are you doing? I am, they are doing business and you're dragging me out of this situation. And and then, uh, but then we're on halfway through when shit starts to go down. She literally goes from being like, Oh, you are all these stupid men and you are not letting me do my job to bringing them food on the roof. Mm hmm. Literally up goes up on the roof. Has a scene where she falls on her face. Yeah, just 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 to, just to punish just her. Trips. Yeah, she she's she's stepping down from like the ladder, going up to the roof where the guys are like hanging out with guns. Literally, just trips and falls face first, just to like it. Really feels vindictive. It really it, is. It feels like it's just like just to give the audience like any lingering. Like, okay, I like her now. She fell on her face,
0: and it almost turned into a love story. Yeah. which I that would have been the last. It straw. starts to I get a little romantic
2: left. with her and like John Krasinski. And then at the end, she's like, she says basically the same thing. She's like, I'm so proud to have known you. You're such brave men. Oh and so it's basically like, okay, she gets it. She gets it. She gets who really matters here. She gets who counts. Uh, so Unbelievable. So that was terrible. And uh, <laughs>
0: So that was terrible.
2: Let's talk about how the Libyans are depicted.
0: <laughs> when you say that there's depiction, the good guys and the bad guys, <laughs> yeah. and that was in the context of the Americans or the... Uh, the white people in the movie mm-hmm. um, there's al- also quickly about the woman this movie fails the Bechdel test yes so hard yes yes it does so hard um, so talking about the Libyans there's a line in here uh, where Pablo Schreiber's character says they're all bad guys until they're not mm-hmm. basically it it shows every Muslim character every Libyan character as um, an enemy and uh, not to be trusted mm-hmm. um in a very like it feels like a an old like shifty eyed kind of way which is <laughs> horrible it is like the the way that they sort of like s- slide between characters uh-huh. um to give you this it builds a sense of unease for you and w- when you're watching the the soldiers in these circumstances which is uh, also horrible it puts you in this position where you're now also afraid of all these people in this movie right it's terrible
2: yeah yeah i mean i with with that line and I knew that that line bothered Rebecca because she furiously scribbled her notebook as soon as as <laughs> as soon as it was said. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hear about that one later. Uh, so, you know, I I could understand what it was trying to make you feel, which is just you didn't know who to trust. Like, if you're these soldiers and there's this kind of insurrection starting, and you're like, well, who's, you know, who is and who is not part of this? Because there are so many you know, there's so much emphasis to the lack of security at these buildings. And so at, at some points, like, there's just lots of random townspeople just like right. jumping the walls and running around. And sure. they're like, we don't know who's, you know. So uh, that line, you know, not great. And if anything, that was me being oddly truthful about what <laughs> it's really being thought by these guys. I mean, like, what the military guys are thinking. Sure. It was like almost, maybe he didn't realize how truthful it was being by having that line in there right. about how these guys really think. Um, But what bothered me more was that there is not a single character that's developed out of any of the Libyans. No. Not fucking one. No one gets, like, any real dialogue. Like, we start to recognize certain ones just from the way they're dressed. Like, oh, I recognize that headscarf. I recognize that, that, you know, that tracksuit. Yeah, tracksuit. So, and, but, like, there's no representation from their side of the story at all. Um, there's a prologue where they're kind of setting the scene for what's going on. Um, and there's one title card that says, like, there had just been airstrikes on Libya from the U.S. and Britain and France or whatever. And which has been, you know, largely pointed out as what inspired this since. That it was a, it was a, a reaction to these airstrikes on their country. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is nothing in the movie to address, like, well, why are they doing this? Right. Um, yeah. That's, exactly. That's not considered for a moment. So none of them are turned into characters. None of them like. There's nothing to humanize them at all. Um, they have the one good Libyan that they have is their translator. Right.
1: Who? Oh gosh. Is
2: turned into uh, a laughing stock. He is a comic relief because he's a little brown guy and they like to you know they're like okay time for you to go and battle with us and he's like oh but i i don't and they're just like you know they're like what? i take this gun and they like show him like walking shaking in his like oversized military helmet carrying his little gun and it's it was disgusting it was it was that was really And then at really, the really end
0: he leaves and also they they make sort of like homophobic jokes about him being like
2: Oh, yeah. Like I'm going to break like, up with him at the yeah. end of this trip. They're, like, oh, dating. There's, there's, so, there's a, several, like, gay panic jokes in the movie. Exactly. Um, at the end,
0: they dismiss him, telling him, like, tell your country to get its shit together.
2: Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. That was terrible. Uh, and that's not even the most offensive thing. I, I wonder if we can agree on what the most offensive scene was in the movie. Ooh, what's yours? Well, mine would have to be um, when the siege briefly pauses so that the attackers can all go do their morning Muslim prayers. Oh my god! uh, And are seen, you know, praying Allah Akbar with a stack of guns leaning up against a pillar in the same shot. Yep, literally. There's there. This is this is the thing that's in this movie. Is 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 Muslim prayer with guns leaning against a pillar. I was like, fuck you, movie. Absolutely. Fuck you so hard for putting that out there into the world. That is so fucking reckless and so irresponsible. Yeah, Like, I think that needs to like, like, I am honestly, I feel, I hope that there is a movement to get Paramount to just cut that. From, that would be amazing. Like, at least that shot. Like, it's it's one thing if it's just like, okay, sure, because like that morning prayer is a thing. Sure, so, yeah. yeah, so if it's just like, oh, yeah, this is the thing, it is, you know, for, for it to stop, so there's morning prayer, yeah, makes sense. But to have the actual shot of them praying with the guns there. That is fucked. That's completely irresponsible. That is so, so, so irresponsible.
0: You're going to see it on, like, you're going to see that shot on Facebook in, like, two months. Oh, you're going to totally. think that somebody, like, photoshopped it together, but it's just going to be from, and they'll be like, this is what's going yeah, on oh, over there. It's
2: going to be that thing your racist uncle exactly. uh, shares as, like, a meme on Facebook. Or it's like, oh, look, this is, this is what, this is what really goes on in mosques. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's so, so, so fucked.
0: Um, mine is so mine is a little bit more on the taste side and not like because oh. I was so enraged and offended the whole time that it's really hard for me to pick one, yeah, but and this actually parallels that one very well because it is this horrible scene of a shot up American flag oh. drowning in a pool. oh,
1: yeah, yeah it yeah. is so
0: trite, it is yeah. so. And it's not even shot well. It like, cuts in really fast and like cuts out. It's not like timed well. It's not like slow with dramatic music. It's like the, the most awkward Seemed like it was put at the last minute, mm-hmm. um, just embarrassment. Yes. And, and it pairs wonderfully and horribly with your moment. And, and I think I
2: may have actually heard some sniffling behind me.
0: Are you kidding Doring. me?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that during when they show that, 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 that tattered shop American flag floating in the pool, that I heard like... Yeah, I mean, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> god damn it! Is this working on you?" It's just an act of complete and utter pandering, and you know, it's it's very much wanting to get in on that American Sniper, Lone Survivor money. But here's the thing: it's definitely closer to Lone Survivor than it is to American Sniper. Mm-hmm. I mean, very much, very close to the Lone Survivor because that was also a true story about just like one siege where all these military guys were just kind of picked off one by one. And, I mean, I didn't get the appeal of that movie because it really was just, like, it was, like, torture porn in a way. Right. I mean, it was, like, a snuff film. You know, it was, like, a fucking military snuff movie where you're just, like, watching these guys get picked off brutally one by one, usually after having been already, like, shot several times before actually dying or that kind of thing. So you're just watching all these men dying very slowly over the course of a movie. American Sniper... As much as it came to represent culturally as, like, this kind of, like, oh, this major red state hit that, mm-hmm. you know, the, became the most profitable movie of the year it was released, that is not, that movie is ambiguous. That movie has, like, a lot of moral ambiguity about sure. it, which Clint Eastwood, despite, you know, his reputation, he always goes very much into moral ambiguity in his movies that he directs. Like, he mm-hmm. is not, in his art, a simplistic dude. Right. Right. And so, American Sniper. When I watched it, I was like, "Oh, this movie is such like a condemnation of military culture. Like, it shows just like how fucked you are. Right. And like, it,
0: you can't win. And yeah, it's... you
2: can't win. It shows like the you know the PTSD stuff. Right. It shows like what might what kind of dysfunction could lead to someone becoming going into the military. Mm-hmm. You know, it shows his childhood with like his like fucking crazy dad, and you know, and like you know teaching him all this insane shit." And I was like, oh, this is such a good, this is like a brutally honest movie about the military. And then that, you know, and then for him to just get killed so senselessly at the end, as in real life. Right. I was like, man, like this movie is really giving it to the military. And then, nope, everyone was just like, I guess everyone else just saw a completely just different movie. Out, yeah, yeah exactly. They're just like, yeah, well, this is the, and they like saw those childhood scenes were like, yep, that's how children should be raised.
0: It's like, and concussions, that great football movie. Never, tell the truth. the year, tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, so, American Snapper, this isn't. Um, This is zero nuance, zero ambiguity, uh, no sophistication, no complexity. Uh, This is just complete bullshit, pandering, agitprop nonsense. Uh, It's so infuriating, and I don't know if I'll ever not be mad at John Krasinski for doing this movie. Yeah. I really don't. Just crossed a line. Like, I get that, like, girlfriend needs to eat, um, (laughs) but, like... Let let your wife keep bringing on the bacon. Yeah. And, like, I get it. Like, your film career never really took off. You had that Leatherheads movie. No one liked it.
0: Oh, right. Maybe he's just kind of has, like, a, you know, he's not a very, I don't know. Maybe he lives out his, like, childhood fantasies through these <laughs> military movies. Maybe. I mean, I think
2: that I would like to think that John Krasinski is horrified by the way his movie is being marketed now. Mm-hmm. And that he did not want to be that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, he wanted to be seen differently. As an actor, he didn't want to just be seen as like the sensitive guy. Sure. You know, um, because other than Leatherheads, the only other movie I can think of where he played the lead was um, Away We Go with Maya Rudolph. Mm. Oh, yeah. The the Dave Eggers um, scripted movie. Um, And that was like, that was an even softer, more sensitive guy than Jim. Than Jim. Um, And speaking of Jim, uh, one of the other actors who plays in the security team in this movie is the guy who played Pam's original boyfriend from the shipping department, <laughs> uh, who Jim stole her away from. And, uh, but apparently they, they broed out about it, and they're cool now oh my because God. they're in this movie.
0: They say bro and brother.
2: Yeah, lots of broing, lots of brothering.
0: I feel like if you were a self-aware, you know, I don't know, someone if you're if you're in the same line of work and you like, this movie represents what I do and who I am, mm-hmm. but you were at all like, self-aware, you would be embarrassed by your portrayal here. Mm-hmm. It's... It's so comical yeah. and over-the-top. Yeah. yeah, Cartoonish. It's cartoonish.
2: Yeah. It's really, really cartoonish. Uh, I can't imagine that, you know, that a soldier would watch this movie and be like, that's exactly what it's like. Uh, and, at least, and in, in, to be honest with themselves about it. I mean, in, in okay, you know, me a call. but, like, I have not now, nor have I ever served in the military. I have no fucking idea. Maybe it's exactly like this. But I will say that, like, you know, and I, and I did feel like it was being honest. Like, I could picture these guys being these guys. Mm-hmm. Better looking mm-hmm. versions. But I could picture them being these guys. But, you know, with that said, you know, and maybe this is, this is, we're kind of seeing it through their eyes in this movie. It right down to the the people they don't like. You know, like, we're seeing the, the people yeah. the way that they saw those people. Yep. And, but that was a funny thing about even the marketing when they're like, the untold story of the, the, the secret soldiers of Benghazi or whatever. As if it's like a newer groundbreaking thing to be like, well, this one's going to be told from the soldier's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's been never been done before. Good job, guys. You cracked it wide open. Did not see that one coming. Um, and it also has to be said that this movie has possibly the gnarliest arm wound.
0: Oh, shit.
2: In the history of... Of Woof. of cinema, Woof. like goddamn, this movie it has seriously mm. the goriest, goriest mm, mm, arm mm. injury that a character a character incurs who does not die, and then just is just walking around for the rest of the movie with literally half of his arm hanging on by like a few bits of skin, yeah. and there's bone, and it is it's it's like a, I was like people will faint.
0: yeah it's pretty intense
2: i feel like someone out there is going to faint um because of that because it is horrifying i guess one other just thought i had about it was you know because you're watching this movie and one of the thoughts you have is like how the fuck did all these libyan guys get so many weapons and of course like we know that there's a complicated history with like the u.s arming these countries and then just like it gets out of hand and but like You know, so all you see are all these Libyans with, like, missile launchers and automatic weapons and shit like that. And I was like, who could watch this movie and still think that it's a good idea for average citizens to have automatic weapons?
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: Like, and and so the people who love this movie are going to be very much those people. Yep. And... Uh, how like what makes the what because we're americans and so we should be allowed to but no other country should be allowed to like this happens in this movie and in these places of the world because the weapons are so rampant and so widespread so like all you need is for like the climate to get worse and before you know people are just fucking blowing everyone else away right with these amac weapons that the average citizen has no business having nobody needs a mortar nobody So, yeah, so that's just, like, one more bit of hypocrisy that I'm dreading coming from out of this, of, you know, fucking Target fans of this watching it and being like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They'll just, you know, reinforce their ideas about shit. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason.
1: You made it to the end, that's amazing.
2: There goes the binge. binge!